0: Kendrick Green spent so much time Monday night getting pancaked. He's going to be served this morning at Pamela's in the Strip. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots of Penguins and Pirates right where you found this. Mike Tomlin's press conference yesterday was noteworthy almost entirely from the standpoint of his discussion of the O-line and how they performed or, more accurately, were badly outperformed by the Bears. And on one hand, that shouldn't surprise, given their status given their experience level, and in the case of Kendrick Green, given his actual physical stature. Green got thrown around. He got ragdolled. And there's not going to be much of a solution for that until he learns, or he is coached, into better using his own leverage, staying low, getting under the guy. I was talking with Max Starks, the former enormous tackle of the Steelers. This was up in Green Bay about a month ago. And Max's observation of Green was exactly that. If you're not going to be a taller guy, if you're not going to be someone who's long and you're playing that position, you always have to maintain the leverage. You can't let the opponent get under you, lift you up, and throw you back because it messes up everything. These 0.5 or 1.5 yard runs that you saw Najee Harris make, almost all of them came with 53 either on his back or on his way to being on his back. And he wasn't alone. He wasn't alone. Kevin Dotson didn't play well. Trey, Do- Trey Turner at times was just oh laying guys. Back there, Chooks Okorafor was... Chuks was all right. And then there's left tackle or I thought Dan Moore was just a catastrophe and I might be the only person in Pittsburgh who didn't really think he was all that great in Cleveland it's just that he was going against Miles Garrett and Miles Garrett only ended up with a sack well the main reason Miles Garrett only ended up with a sack was that Ben was getting rid of the football but this starts in the middle it starts with Green being way better than he was Monday because there's not really another answer there. I don't believe you're going to see Mike Tomlin say, you know what, let's go to J.C. Hasnauer. Let's just see how that works. Ben likes J.C. Hasnauer. I know that J.C. Hasnauer was a big hit in Alabama, but I also know there's a big difference between the NFL and minor league football. So there's some improvement that's needed from one player in particular, and there isn't an escape hatch there. I really believe that. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by point park university choose from nearly 100 career focused programs leading to bachelor's master's and doctoral degrees choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying whether it's at point park's gorgeous downtown pittsburgh campus whether it's online maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you learn more about all of this at pointpark.edu tomlin i thought his was guilty a lot the first few weeks of the season of sugarcoating the O-line's overall performance and trajectory.
1: Not so yesterday. I thought uh, just in terms of controlling the line of scrimmage on offense, I thought um, we didn't do that. Um, That was a step back relative to recent weeks, Um, but you got to give the Bears credit. And guys like Hicks and Goldman and and Smith, the linebacker, um, really played well. I thought they were disruptive. I thought they won one-on-one battles. I thought uh, they wreaked havoc. Um, and, and, you know, we still very much have young guys uh, working in that space. And and, and so I'm not shocked. Um, sometimes when I look at tape and I see incremental steps backwards as we move forward. But largely, I think the trajectory of our group has been one that's positive, but uh, we're not being realistic or or true to ourselves if we didn't acknowledge that that was a step back last night. And so the most important thing is, you know, how do we use utilize it as a catalyst for growth? Um, individually and collectively, man, we got to watch the tape. Uh, We're going to learn from it. Um, and then we got to plot a course to minimize the possibility of that happening moving forward. And so we got a lot of work to do in that area on the short week, excited about doing it. Yeah, no, that's definitely
0: not sugarcoating. But it's also... Not a solution. And it's not, at least from the sound of it, Tomlin putting forth a challenge that maybe other offensive linemen might do better than the ones currently there. I already mentioned Hasnauer versus Green, and I'm not ruling out that Hasnauer could be that guy. He's just, you'd have to see him. You'd have to see him walking around. To to understand that you don't look at J.C. and think, now there's a starting NFL center. He just doesn't have a lot of bulk to him. He looks like just another guy who's walking around the facility. Does that make sense? I'm not taking a shot at him. Just some people are bigger than others. And Green, although he's not a long guy, you know, Green's got that stocky center type build. He's not Marquise Pouncey. But he's, he's got something that looks like interior lineman type of makeup physically. But there are other options here. Tomlin did acknowledge, brought him up by name, in fact, that Zach Banner would again be part of the practice mix this week. Banner, of course, had been part of the practice mix the previous two weeks and still didn't even get a hat when it came to kickoff principal reason for that, I believe, is that he can only back up at one position. So if he's not playing right tackle, he's not starting at right tackle. All he's doing is backing up at right tackle. Well, you don't really, unless it's quarterback, have someone waiting around just to fill in in case one guy gets hurt. That's why versatility means so much, not just in football, but in all of professional sports. But if Banner's out there, Banner's your right tackle, and you do move Chooks across to the left side, Chooks might not be uh, automatic over there in terms of getting back his uh, proficiency at left tackle, his experience at left tackle, having it all come back to him. But he's also not that far removed from it. Chukes Chooks was, remember, in a battle in training camp a couple of years ago, he's manned the position uh, in that setting, and more significant, he's manned it at the college level, so he's at least familiar with the ins and outs, even though it's obviously not the same caliber of football. If you do that, you get Dan Moore out of the lineup, and that's a plus. That's a plus. And where Green is concerned, I don't know, I mean, there are other guys on the Team, you know, Joe Haig is there. Joe Haig can play both tackles. He's been really good when they've used him. BJ Finney is still on the roster. Don't know if people realize that or not. But BJ, in addition to playing guard, actually BJ can back up at any position, and BJ can also play center. He's done that. There are other options here. You don't have to stick with these guys, and you don't have to stay stubborn. About these decisions. I can't make this point strongly enough, but this head coach and this front office made up their minds over the summer that this was going to be their offensive line. They just did. They couldn't conceivably convince me otherwise. That's why they were babied through training camp. That's why they were treated as if they were returning starters and being taken out of preseason games after a quarter. Like, what? What? Who? Why? Why? And this is what happens as a result. I'm not taking blame away from the players. Look, Kendrick Green can play a hell of a lot better game than he did on Monday night okay that's on him that's on him more than it is on tomlin matt canada adrian clem anybody else okay that's on green i'm not deflecting here but i am saying that you know this was always a third round pick this was always going to be kind of an iffy thing here no one had any business anointing him or letting him wear 53 for that matter when we come back just one question In Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888 842 5454. And today's J1Q comes from RJ, who asks You've heard the saying, he has a nose for the ball. Does Terrell Edmonds have any ball skills whatsoever? He never smells out a play and makes a big stop. He lays back to make an assist on a tackle. Sure glad they didn't extend his rookie contract. Yeah, T.E.'s getting it. He's been getting it from a lot of different directions of late. And that's to be expected. It is. For the same reason Devin Bush is getting it. Maybe not as hard as T.E., but they're both hearing it. Why? First-round picks. Sympathy for Bush for coming off in knee surgery? Not really. Not really. There isn't a whole lot of that that I can sense out there because Steelers traded up. They moved all the way up to number 10 to get him. They thought he was better than Devin White, who just won a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. And by the way, was really good in that game. He wasn't a passenger. I'm with you on the Bush thing. I'm guarded about judging Terrell Edmonds too harshly based on splash. He's not a splash guy. He wasn't drafted as a splash guy. He was drafted to be exactly what he is, and that is a guy that takes care of things down deep, center field, whatever you want to call it, but also, and more importantly, can make things happen at the line of scrimmage in terms of run-stopping. When you get right down to TE's skill set, he's a lot more like an inside linebacker, modern one, than he is a safety of any kind, but then he's also got this kind of wiry build. Uh, Thinner, for example, than Ryan Shazier, who was considered to be thin for inside linebacker, you know, back when he was kind of pioneering this thing at the NFL level. I'm not sitting here making excuses for T.E. I'd like to see splash for him as well. I'd like to see splash from absolutely anyone in the secondary, including the one guy... Who's counted on for that sort of thing, and Minka Fitzpatrick? It would be nice to see all of your first rounders be impact types. It doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. So when they don't become that, they are to an extent worthy of the criticism, even the scorn. Even the scorn. That's what you signed up for. And when you were a first round pick, you weren't exactly doing interviews saying, Hey, I have no idea why they took me this high. I mean, I'm glad I did because of the I'm glad they did because of the bonus money, but I'm sorry, I'm just not that good. You are y'all are gonna be really disappointed when you see me play. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. What's gonna make these guys good NFL players over the course of their careers, if they can just be the best version of themselves. They're not busts. I hate when people use that term incorrectly. You want to talk about a bust? You're talking about someone who's like a Huey Richardson that just never even gets out there, that just comes into camp, shows to be, I don't know, lazy, out of shape, dumb, disinterested, whatever it is those are busts. If you want to take bust to a, a a more stretched out definition, you can throw in someone like Jarvis Jones. Jarvis was here did some stuff didn't have the right frame to play outside linebacker wasn't nearly big enough it wasn't Jarvis's fault it wasn't Jarvis's fault they took him in the first round but that's how it it played out. And Jarvis was out of the league sooner rather than later. That's that's closer to bust level. Artie Burns is another one. Artie Burns, did you know he was on Chicago's roster for the game Monday night? Did you know that? Nope. No? Yeah, that's where Artie is now. Artie, that, that's now we're start, starting to find the bar there, I think. Jarvis and Artie, those are first-round busts. Bush? I think could still end up falling into that category, whether you want to blame the the knee injury or not. Bush did show some signs of being that impact player right when he got going. Remember that? And then, you know, not so much. But T.E., to get back to your question, he's, he's not ever going to be that thing that you want him to be. He is a, a, a tackler, the way you worded it there, uh, you know, that he comes in and gets assists on tackles. He brings guys down. That eliminates or minimizes the opponent's splash, which the defensive coaches are always going to find to be just as valuable a trait as generating your own splash. They feel like it's important to have someone who's a capable and reliable tackler back there that's how they see his work his role now is it going to be good enough to get him some kind of contract or whatever because you referred to that too in the fifth year option i don't think so because those guys don't cost all that much you can go out and get one of those might even be able to get him at a lower rate You can also draft one of those. You can try again. But one thing to bear in mind where he's concerned, meaning Edmonds, is that he is principally responsible for taking care of the boring stuff back there. Minka's the one who gets set up for the splash. So I wouldn't very casually conflate the two things. If you have a problem with how Edmonds is playing, at least let it be related to what Edmonds is actually being asked to do. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. Let's do another one tomorrow.